It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah Health. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. The final horn has sounded. That'll do it. And it's time for the Mark Miller Utah Jazz postgame show with your hosts, Jake Scott and the coach, Tim LaCoe. Jazz fall tonight to the Nets. Jazz postgame 117 to 106. So let's get right downstairs to Jazz head coach Will Hardy. Will was able to maintain spacing, move with a little bit of sharpness and just make early quick decisions and not over dribble. I think we got a lot of great shots. I think there were a lot of possessions where we just got tied up over dribbling. And, you know, that's what a switching defense wants you to do. They want you to isolate, and that's not how we generally play. Um, I do understand that there's always going to be possessions where, you know, NBA players have to make plays because the other team guards you well. That's that's part of life in the NBA. But, um, you know, teams are going to obviously try to focus on Lowry heavily. And, um, you know, I thought tonight, for the most part, he, he did a decent job of dealing with their physicality, but um, they made it very clear early in the game they were not going to let him play one-on-one, um, even against a mismatch. So we tried to put him in space a little bit. You mentioned the transition points three in the first half, 19 in the second. What were you doing so well that just limited them to three in the first half, and then what changed on that? Yeah, we did a good job of getting back and protecting the basket first in, uh, in the first half. In the second half, we let guys get behind us way too much. Dunks, layups, you know, Kyrie got a lob in transition for a layup. Um, threes, it's hard to take everything away in transition, especially when you're at a disadvantage. Come on in. Thanks for coming. Uh, you know, it's, it's hard to take it all away. You're at a disadvantage. The team's moving with pace, and you usually don't have numbers. So, you know, we try to make a conscious effort to take away the rim first. Those shots are obviously the highest value, the uncontested layup. And I think in the, the second half, we uh, – we just weren't very focused on, on getting back and protecting the basket first. We got a little bit wrapped up in trying to focus on the ball. And if you let guys get behind you, it's over. You guys were close down the stretch, and then Brooklyn has four straight possessions that end with the made three. What did you think of the defense during that particular time? Uh, I didn't think it was very good. We, you know, Walker's in on Simmons the first you know, the first three that I remember, uh, Mike kind of peaked and saw Simmons. I'm not sure if he thought he was switching or not, but just got screened way too easily. And, um, you know, Kyrie hit a, a deep one. The second one, 
you know, if Walker's going to stay in the game late, which is something that obviously we're, we're trying to work on, um, he's got to be up higher in pick and roll at the end of the game. And that's a situation that he hasn't been in very much. I think the first time he did it was against the Cavs with, uh, with Donovan. So, um, you know, it's unfamiliar territory for him. And I think, you know, he thought he was up. And it's a good learning moment for him that um, you really have to be up at the level of the screen against elite players like Kyrie Irving because if there's any daylight, he's going to shoot it. Um, and then the the last one, you know, we're up three and he gets around Lowry when we went to double. Um, you know, we don't get the ball sent to the middle very well. And, and JC makes a decision and helps off the strong corner. And, um, you know, Seth Curry makes a three. So... It's tough. Kyrie puts you in a lot of tough spots when you're trying to take the ball out of his hands. He gets so low when he dribbles. It's hard to keep him in front. Um, you know, he's one of the best guys in the NBA at not just giving in to the double team. Like, guys that go to double have to be really in a defensive stance because his first instinct is to try to escape off the bounce. Um, so those are good good learning moments, you know, for our team, um, understanding those situations and, you know, how – tight your attention to detail has to be when you're playing against some of the best players in the world. Uh, what did you see with Walker tonight? Definitely not his best game. Yeah, I think he really struggled offensively playing against a switch. Um, their physicality bothered him. They just got underneath him and pushed him up and they were able to get underneath him on every screen he set when they switched and so he wasn't able to to help us create much of an advantage there. Um, you know, defensively, I think, you know, Walker does a good job, obviously, first of protecting the rim. Um, but, you know, guys like, like Irving, like Curry, you know, their first instinct is to shoot jump shots. So um, it's tough. I think, you know, for the most part, Walker did a decent job on the defensive end. But I thought that their physicality with him on the other end really uh, limited his ability to impact the game. Colin can be so good off the dribble, mm-hmm. obviously. Are there situations where you uh, don't want him driving the lane? No. I mean, again, we've talked about guys' superpowers before, and Colin's superpower is it's really hard to guard him one-on-one uh, off the dribble. And he's done a very good job this year putting pressure on the rim, um, obviously continuing to grow, understanding that because of his ability to put pressure on the rim, teams are going to come help and trying to find his teammates on the kickouts um, because I do think that he has the ability to help his teammates get a lot of really, really good shots. So um, I'm a huge fan of when Colin attacks and doesn't settle. I think it's really good for our team for the most part, but um, you know, he watches a lot of film and tries to, to understand our spacing and the different sets that we're in and where his outlets are. So, you know, th- it's always a good opportunity for him to to understand the fine line of when you're his height and you're playing that fast, those decision windows are half a second max and so you can miss the moment um, when you're going full speed to the rim and you know again it's easy when I pause the film to say hey you know do you see this guy but when you're playing in real time he's going full speed and he's six two with the hair maybe like he's you know it's not so seeing over the top of the defense is hard once you get past the free throw line so you know, I never want to be a coach that's like nitpicking every play. It's too hard. But, 
I think he's doing a better job as the season's gone on of understanding our our spacing and our you know the different spacings we're playing out of and where his outlets are so that when he does take off he already kind of has in his head if if he sees a certain thing from the defense where the ball needs to go so um those those plays are are really uh are really tricky because I don't want to back him off of his aggressiveness going downhill. It's what makes him a really good player. Um, I don't want him to be too careful. So it's a, it's always going to be a work in progress. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, guys. There you go, Jazz head coach Will Hardy. His post-game comments as Jazz fall to the Nets tonight, 117-106. to Jake Scott, J.P. Chunga filling in tonight. Uh, for Coach Tim Lacombe. Uh, Coach Hardy covered a lot of ground there, JP. What do you want to hit on? We can start with Walker because he finished up with that. Walker, he got into him when uh, Kyrie made that second three-pointer on the wing fading away because Walker wasn't high enough to, you know, give Kyrie a, a look, a hand in his face as he's taking that shot. Walker needs to learn and go through these failures so that they benefit him later on when he's a professional and being up for awards or or doing big things in this league. That's a moment that he has to point to and get better. Because with Kyrie, you can't go under the screen. You can't play in a deep drop. You have to be right up into him. And this is like when Jokic plays defense. Jokic, when he's guarding pick and roll he's always having a high pickup point because that's the only way that he likes to play defensively and with walker he likes playing a deep drop like rudy would last year so if you're doing that against Kyrie, he's going to make a shot in your grill every single time and walker wasn't high enough on a pickup point and Kyrie burned them it was a legendary night it's not like anybody was shocked that Kyrie was getting the ball it's what he does yeah and and so him taking that and learning from this will be huge because you can't you can't play off of Kyrie Irving when he's playing on on this hot of a night. That's recognizing the situation, and when you're playing in so many close games with the Jazz, you have to be switched on every single moment. You can't have those lapses in close games. No, because it'll cost you the game. And, and it and, did. And, yeah, I'm, it's not the sole it's not reason the sole reason they it, lost, it of course, but. Yeah, those those little mistakes. It gives a player like Kyrie Irving. I mean, the margin for error is so slim because he's yeah. he's so good, and is going to make that shot. And uh, and he did. And Walker kind of felt the brunt of it from his coach. And you know, I'm sure Coach Hardy has to figure out different ways to coach different players. But you know, imagine Walker's still a rookie. I mean, he's still got to learn, and he's he's been performing well. But even in the and this is just me editorially uh, editorializing a little bit. But even in the post game, it seems like Coach Hardy. Will praise Walker Kessler, but also will highlight the things that he needs to to fix to become a better player. I'm sure that's very intentional. Well, and that's what he needs because if you're thinking of yourself as a really good big in this league, you're playing in a different neighborhood. I'm no longer comparing you to average rookie big. You're beyond that. You're now trying to be a a functional closing out big on a a team that's trying to make the playoffs or in the playing zone. That's a different neighborhood than you were when you had no expectations, when everybody was just glad you're around and you're filling in and you're doing good things. Oh, Walker, what a day. Right. You have a 2020. Oh, good for you. Way to go. Pat on the head. No, it's big boy basketball, and you're taking on Kyrie Irving. And if you make a mistake, the, the thing that you have to realize, Will Hardy took him out. 
of the game when Kyrie made that shot. He did not see the rest of the game after that. No, he did not. And that's that's the learning point. That's that's what happens when you make mistakes. You get pulled out of the game, and that's what happened to Walker Kessler. I think we've all been there in our whatever uh, limited athletic careers are. You're going to sit over there. You're going to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Think about that mistake that you just made. When you're pissed on the oh. uh, on the bench, you are not happy because you're watching and you think you can help. And I bet Walker thinks that. He thinks he could help out there, but he, he made a mistake at the wrong moment, wrong time, and it's a close game. We can't afford mistakes if you're that head coach. You're telling him we can't afford to have those lapses in judgment because they cost you. But he doesn't make the mistake again. That's the thing. He's shown such a really good way of learning on the fly yep. and learning with mistakes. Him and Colin. Colin had that moment in uh, Los Angeles against the Clippers where he had to sit, where Will Hardy had to coach him up. And you get better from those moments. That Those are the the wins, those progress wins where you see later on in the season, okay, did he do that the next time that they pr- play Brooklyn in Brooklyn on that road trip near the end of the year where they're I think they're in Boston and then Brooklyn the other night. Like if he does that again next time, that's when you say, okay, now we need to really drill down on it. But I'm sure Walker will will get into it. All right, we're gonna say goodnight to our network stations as the Jazz fall tonight to the Nets one seventeen to one oh six. Next broadcast uh is coming your way on Monday night. The Jazz take on the Hornets uh here at Vivint Arena. That game will tip off at seven o'clock. For those of you sticking around with us, we'll continue to break this one down. We'll get some post game player sound for you as well. You are listening to Utah Jazz Basketball. Jazz It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. The final horn has sounded. That'll do it. And it's time for the Mark Miller Utah Jazz Post Game Show with your hosts, Jake Scott and the coach, Tim Lacombe. Jazz postgame, Jake Scott, J.P. Chunga sitting in tonight for Coach Lacombe. We hope Coach is out there doing well. Uh, postgame is brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru and the My Subaru Is campaign. Real stories from real Mark Miller Subaru customers. Share your Subaru story for a chance to win prizes. Learn more and share MarkMillerSubaru.com. Uh, Kyrie Irving tonight, 48 points, 11 rebounds, 6 assists for the Nets uh, in the win. He was 18 of 29 from the field, 8 of 15 from 3, 4 of 6 from the line to lead all scores. Nick Claxton had 20 tonight uh, for Brooklyn. Royce O'Neal in his return to Vivint Arena, 13 points, 5 boards, 6 assists. Seth Curry had uh, 10 coming in off the bench for the Jazz. 29 tonight from Jordan Clarkson, who was very good once again. 11 of 22 from the field, 2 for 7 from 3, 5 assists, 4 boards for Jordan. 22 tonight from Lowry Markinen, 8 of 16 shooting, 6 of 10 from 3. Colin Sexton with 17 coming in off the bench. Malik Beasley uh, with, uh, with 12. But the Jazz come up a little bit short. And JP, something that you hit on with David, Will Hardy talked a lot about as we heard his uh, postgame comments uh, moments ago. 
Did not handle the switch well. Did not handle the switchy defense uh, well. This is something that uh, the previous version of the Jazz struggled with. Uh, but uh, he mentioned specifically Walker Kessler struggled with it as he only had two points offensively tonight, only six boards uh, for Walker in 25 minutes. But really, the whole team, it's not really the way they're built. Isolation basketball is not the way that this team's going to win. It's going to be passing the ball. It's getting into their offense. It's finding Lowry on cuts, finding him towards the rim, going downhill, those opportunities. The only isolation player is Jordan Clarkson, and if he's over-dribbling and it's just one-on-one, Kyrie has the advantage. Kyrie's a better isolation player. He just is. 21 points in the fourth quarter. He's such a good isolation player. And I think this points to a game where you really miss Kelly Olynyk because Kelly is really good at facilitating, passing out of the high post, finding cutters, creating plays. He's smart on dribble handoffs where he has those keepers and he keeps it going to the rim and he could get buckets that way. But him not being available when Brooklyn went to a a zone late in the second half, he can bust that because he can catch it in the middle of the paint and dish. Kelly Olenek would be a huge asset to this team. And it's why we saw some weird lineups uh, trying to get some time for rest for Walker Kessler or for Lowry. We saw Rudy Gay at the five towards the end of the third quarter at one point. Those opportunities are where you see how much this team misses Kelly Olenek because without him, it devolves into isolation basketball. They over-dribble, and it gets one-on-one heavy, and that's not the way this team was designed. No, I do think Lowry has gotten better at that sort of thing as he's yeah. become more comfortable with the uh, the number one role. But tonight was not a terrific example of that, and Brooklyn played really well against him. Locke talked about it a lot. Wouldn't let him get to his right hand and had a really good game plan for for uh, Lowry, which, by the way, it's it's tough being a number one in this league. It's tough being atop of the scouting report every night when the other team, they're specifically game planning to take away what you do well. It's hard. And and Lowry's been on such a great streak, you know. We look at it's kind of funny, JP. You look at a game where tonight he scored twenty two points and shot fifty percent from the field, and we're saying, well, Lowry wasn't quite himself tonight. Well, and that's the point. Like now he's being more yeah. consistent. He's getting to that twenty points just as a baseline, but we know that the the ceiling is so much higher yeah. for him, and the way that this team has played all year, he can get more buckets. But I look at I look at Lowry and having that type of night and I say yeah he 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 can't be a one-on-one guy he's gotten better at it but relying on him just to break down a post up that's not great offense when this team is firing and shooting threes and getting the ball outside Malik Beasley can make threes in abundance he was four of ten he put him up but he can Put more up, you know. The more you get those catch and shoot opportunities for Jordan Clarkson, for Mike, Colin, I thought great gave great energy. He was huge in that first half in trying to slow down or at least keep Kyrie at bay. I, I don't think Kyrie had a great third quarter, and that's a credit to Colin Sexton bringing the energy. But offensively, it was a rough watch. Ninety-two offensive rating in the half court. For this game, according to Clean the Glass. That's mm. not going to get it done. No. 
Uh, JP, let's check out the Master of the Glass, brought to you by Safe Flight Auto Glass, proud to present this year's Master of the Glass Rebound program at the end of the regular season. Safe Flight will donate $5 to a charitable organization for each rebound secured by this year's team rebound leader. Tonight's Master of the Glass, Lowry Markinen. 11 rebounds tonight, two of those coming on the offensive side. Uh, the Jazz did out-rebound the Nets tonight, 46-42. to 42. Uh, Vanderbilt also had nine boards uh, coming in off the bench. The Jazz finished the night with 13 offensive rebounds, but it seemed like they were on a much better pace at halftime, JP. Oh, and that's the way that you can make up for if you're not dealing well with the switch is get more offensive rebounds, crash the glass even more because this team does not defensive rebound on the other end, Brooklyn. They're at the bottom in defensive rebounding. You can exploit that all day long and, they could have used more out of everybody, and Will brought it up in his post-game press conference. Coach Hardy, he he said Walker Kessler had a little bit of a tough one, and, and this is going to be a learning moment for him because of how Brooklyn plays, where they have basically a, uh, a ball-handling five in Ben Simmons because he's not a threat to shoot. He As Walker, you can... You're nominally his defender, but you could sag off and guard other players, rebound out of that position. But that giving you an opportunity on the defensive end, offensively, you can grab even more offensive rebounds and you can use your size to your advantage against a team that can't clean the glass. They had an advantage, but they could have even had a, an even bigger advantage in this one. If, if it certainly felt that way. Um but, you know, the fourth quarter, you give up 34 points. You know, Kyrie Irving is a one-man wrecking crew, finishes the night with 48 points, and uh, rebounding uh, becomes less of an issue as stops do. Yeah. And they couldn't get stops in the fourth quarter. I mean, the Jazz, you know, scoring 106 points in today's day and age in the NBA probably isn't going to get you a lot of wins. But I thought Brooklyn would have trouble scoring the basketball tonight. And I think for the most part, honestly – I mean, they shot 54%, so maybe this is a bit of a hot take, but it felt like it was mostly Kyrie as opposed to the rest of the team. Well, and I'm super impressed that they came out with this energy on the second night of a back-to-back because they could have easily done what the Clippers did on Wednesday and rested everybody, waited around, wait for Kevin Durant to come back in a month, be fine with that, just tread water, but... They went out and and tried to win this game. There was desperation after losing four games without KD. If you don't have him, team's completely different. And Kyrie backpacked this team to get them over the top. They were desperate. You could tell Jock Vaughn needed this one for this group because they've got Golden State, a very tough opponent. They've got Philly coming up as well. So it, it... it definitely saw a very desperate team out there. All right, let's get to the Jazz locker room. Let's start things off with Mike Conley. He was excited to come back and play in front of the crowd he's used to play in front of. And he played well and um, you know, wish we would have won, but it was fun to see him. You know, let's break this down. 13 down, you come back uh, to take the lead. What happened early to give them that momentum and that double-digit lead? Um, you know, they, they're, they're a, a shot-making team. they got some guys over there that can make some plays and isolation opportunities and transition. Uh, we kind of let them get a good rhythm early. Mm-hmm. Uh, we weren't as aggressive defensively as we should have been, and um, that kind of let them ease into the game. And, uh, and on the other end, we weren't making shots, so 
when that happens, they get a little bit of a lead, and um, now we're fighting uh, you know, uphill trying to get back in the game. And you did. And what did you do differently to, to roll back in and make it a game? Uh, I thought our second unit really kind of sparked it. Um, they pushed the tempo a little bit. They got in transition. Uh, they got scrappy, you know, just found a way to get stops, found a way to get rebounds, found a way to get, you know, steals and stuff like that. And sometimes that's all you need to just get yourself going. Uh, and I think that kind of uh, sent waves down to the rest of our team and, and guys who came back in the game for the first year and were ready to play. You guys had multiple looks at Kyrie, especially in the second half. You were on him, you'd switch, and uh, you'd try to get more bodies, more physical with him, but able to, he was still able to just shoot over the defense. It's one of those nights from a guy named Kyrie yeah, um, that's why he is who he is. Uh, you know, I think he would have scored on anybody tonight the way he was shooting it. And uh, we did try, try to throw different looks at him. Um, and you know, he's, he's a master at what he does and, and creating space and trying to get you know opportunities to score. So, uh, you know, hats off to him on that. And it, you know, I'm sure we'll find some film to watch and find some things we could have changed. But, um, yeah, you know, it was a... It was a tough night to, to be guarding You know, without Durant, this team's still deep, and it still has a, a real special feel to it. Yeah, you know, they're, they're not just a you know, one- or two-man show. Um, you know, even you know, Ben Simmons is a guy that people overlook a lot. His, his intangibles and his ability to push the ball and, and, and defend and find guys in open court and um, down the line. So, you know, they're a team that can, they can play with anybody, and when they're healthy, they're one of the best in the league. Finally, this team, I sense, still is confident. You guys had won four or five, and you were, again, in it to the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, we're still confident. We're the same. We're the same team every night. You know, we're gonna we're gonna play hard. We're gonna be aggressive. We're gonna be confident in who we are. Uh, we know who we are. We know our group. And um, you know, tonight we just didn't get it. But um, you know, we'll get back tomorrow in practice and get ready for our game in a few days. That's Mike Conley. Thanks. Yep. All right, Mike Conley. Uh, there he was. His post game comments. Mike tonight. Nine points, nine assists, five boards. Didn't shoot the ball again uh, as well. Again, he did well against the Clippers, but uh, two of eight tonight from the field, one of four from three. But nine to nine from Mike tonight, JP. His floor game is so important for this team when it comes to late game situations because the Jazz, they're always in a late game and it's always going to be close. 33 of 49 games have been within five points. That's so amazing. In the last five minutes. That's crazy. It's been great for us. I'll tell you yeah. what, as as uh, you know, people like you and I who get to talk about this team, bring on the close games. I love it. Mike Conley's so pivotal in getting good shots in those situations, making sure that they're organized in that situation offensively, and they weren't able to get good opportunities tonight at the end of the game. And more importantly, they couldn't get defensive stops. Post game brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru. The My Subaru is campaign real stories from real Mark Miller Subaru customers. Subaru owners are diverse and each has a unique story to share. Read some and share your own. MySubaruIs.com. Jazz fall tonight to the Nets. 117 to 106. We'll have more player sound for you coming up next. You are listening to Utah Jazz Basketball. Final box score is printed. Jake Scott and the coach Tim Lacombe are breaking down how it all happened on the Mark Miller Utah Jazz postgame show. Oh, my! Jazz postgame. Jake Scott, J.P. Chunga filling in tonight for Coach Lacombe. Postgame is brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru and the My Subaru Is campaign. Real stories from real Mark Miller Subaru customers. Share your Subaru story for a chance to win prizes. Learn more and share. MarkMillerSubaru.com. Jazz fall to the Nets tonight. 117 to 106. We will get you more player sound coming up here momentarily. 
But let's uh, check out the Chick-fil-A foul shot review of the game. Download a whole new way to Chick-fil-A. Earn rewards with the Chick-fil-A One app. Um, let's see here. The Jazz tonight from the line went 16 of 23, JP, which is not a terrific percentage. Just 66, uh, or actually, excuse me, almost 70% from the from the line. Uh, the one thing that stands out to me, though, is that Larry Markkinen did not take a free throw tonight. No attempts, no makes, obviously. Clarkson was 5-for-5, five five, Conley was 4-for-4. Four four. Uh, but uh, Markkinen, what, a couple of games ago, had 17 out of the 21? Am I remembering that right, JP? Yeah, I can go back and look it up. Right. Uh, I'm surprised he didn't have an attempt tonight. Well, and that's why I think we saw Lowry talking to the officials towards the end of the game. I think he thought he was getting hacked on those ga- on those post-ups that he was going. But I just think that they didn't play enough uh, attacking the rim basketball. Um, they weren't getting good advantageous situations because they were playing one-on-one. And when you play one-on-one, sometimes you don't get rewarded by those free throw attempts, getting fouled, getting those clear opportunities where a defense is being put in a blender and trying to scramble, and then they have to hack you. That happens. I'm looking at this uh, Memphis Lakers game, and they ran the offensive rebounds, rebound stats, and Memphis has 20 offensive rebounds to seven, and they were up. Good grief. They were up by double digits. Now it's eight right now. But that's the type of game that needed to happen tonight yeah. for the Jazz because that's how you get separation against this team. They have a clear advantage. One team can't defensive rebound. It's Brooklyn Nets. And the Jazz have... Walker Kessler, Jared Vanderbilt, Lowry Markinen, those guys crashing the boards and even, you know, get crashing by Malik Beasley or Jordan Clarkson from the corners, getting those opportunities. They didn't offensive rebound enough to make up for that isolation basketball, to make up for having possessions that were a little helter-skelter. And that's where you can find those cheap ones. You get a rebound and then you get hacked and you're going to the line. They need to play more in their offense. They over-dribbled. Coach Hardy brought it up. It was tough sledding for them offensively, and they couldn't get it into a rhythm. All right, let's get back down to the podium, JP. It's time uh, now to hear uh, from Jordan Clarkson. I think it kind of started, like, offensively. I mean, if it was turnovers or like, missed shots sometimes, um, they were getting the ball out fast and, you know, making plays. Uh, shooting threes in transition, getting in the paint. Um, made it tough. How did their physicality impact the game? Uh, a lot. Uh, I think they were you know, pushing us off our spots, um, forcing us into you know different different shots and, and different things like that. But they're very versatile. I think they got a guy that protects the rim well. Uh, was that Claxton, uh, Ben, Royce, all those guys down the line, um, switching and moving. Um, and then as well as the aggressiveness uh, makes it tough offensively. Um, but in terms of figuring that out, I think we just got to, you know, play off ball sometimes, um, get in the paint, continue to try to spray out and, you know, knock down shots when we have a chance. Speaking of Royce, what, what did you enjoy about going against your former teammate? Uh, Everything, you know, just competing. Most of the time, he would guard me anyways in practice. So, um, you know, a lot of that stuff, uh, 
I saw tonight, you know, him getting swipe downs, me hitting shots too. So uh, it's just all love. It's um, my Texas guy right there. We've been playing against each other since high school. So um, it's just great we're doing this on the stage and um, still out here suiting up and, and getting active. Jordan, fourth quarter of close games, teams sometimes have a tendency to maybe try and do too much. Was there any of that going on, or did they clamp down on you dif- differently defensively in the fourth? No, I think we scored. <laughs> I think they just scored more than us. <laughs> Kyrie was hitting shots. If it was uh, miscommunications defensively or um, whatever it was, they just took advantage of it. Um, and that's how the game played out. Um, when a guy's hot like that and uh, in the fourth, um, you know, we got to communicate even at a higher level um, and continue to do that. But other than that, you know, offensively, I don't think um, much was bad. I think we got shots. Um, and, yeah, we kept playing, even though they were playing aggressive, switching. Uh, I think that's, like, the first time we really even, like, seen that where they were switching one through five and uh, had a bunch of defenders. I know you... Swapped jerseys with Royce. <laughs> How many jerseys do you have from players that you swapped with? Um, they only got like five, honestly. Really? Yeah, five, six. D. Book, Jordan Poole, Demar Derozan. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> and Royce now. Why for those guys? Um. I mean, D-Book, I know him since he was 15 years old, 16. Mm-hmm. Trying to recruit him to come to Missouri, but uh, I don't think I was going to be able to play with him because I was leaving to go to school. So he went to Kentucky. Um, and we've been cool ever since then. Uh, DeMar, a guy that, you know, I grew up you know, just watching him and um, how good he is. Um, you know, he's just special. And being around Kobe and just watching his footwork, stuff like that. Um, oh, I got Melo, too. Carmelo Anthony, for all the young people out there that mix the Mellows up. Um, <laughs> yeah, but Melo, some, one of my favorite players growing up, score, guy that could, you know, do everything. Um, who else I said? And Royce, guy I played with, I played against since high school, Concordia. You can ask him what happened. I mean, he got revenge tonight, I guess, but in high school, I ain't even had to play a uh, second half against them. No, I know. I, I know you guys got the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, I ran the table, but he got me today. <laughs> With uh, two days off in between games, and I think this is back-to-back instances, mm-hmm. I know Quinn kind of used to run you guys ragged, keep you up with text messages or whatever. How does Coach Hardy do things differently? I mean, we got practice tomorrow. Yeah. We're going to be in the gym working. Um, same thing. I mean, probably not just texting or whatever, but we in the gym. He's got um, what we need to work on. We um, need to go in there and do. We communicate, all of us, uh, in practice, too. So um, what he sees, and then he gets our feedback to live action, whatever it is. Uh, I think that's what makes him really good, um, just being very open uh, to everything. All right, that is Jordan Clarkson, and uh, Jordan tonight was good. 29 points, 11 of 22 shooting, going up against his former teammate Royce O'Neal. It was interesting hearing who he swapped jerseys with. Uh, I don't know, you kind of see it all the time in the NBA, but Royce or uh, uh, Jordan obviously a little bit choosy and uh, swapping one with Royce tonight.
one of those things is not like the other. I think Royce O'Neal is the one that doesn't fit Devin Booker, Carmelo Anthony, a bunch of scorers on that list of uh, guys that he's traded. Who was he saying? Poole? Is that Jordan Poole? Jordan Poole? Another scorer off the bench. DeMar DeRozan, another scorer. I think there's a theme with Jordan Clarkson in trading jerseys with him. But not Royce. The exception that proves the rule, maybe? Well, because they're teammates. I get it. Yeah. I get why he would switch with him, but... Bunch of scores that Jordan Clarkson admires, and it makes sense because uh, he's exactly that. Now, this year he's been much more than that, which has been surprising. I don't think I envisioned this version of Jordan Clarkson who can create a little bit, pass, make the right decision, who is getting the ball late in game, playing with the closing lineup, something that he hasn't done when on the other iterations of the Jazz and looking like he... Fits out there. He has the most three-point makes in clutch time in the NBA. and I mean, it's partly due to the fact that the Jazz are playing in clutch time. All the time. All the time. <laughs> but the fact that he's making shots, that's huge for a guy who at one point couldn't play in the finals for Cleveland. And he's he's talked about that sort of experience that he had not being ready for that moment and now becoming the player that he has become and doing what he's doing for this team, the multiple things, giving effort defensively, he's transformed himself into something I didn't see when he walked through those doors the first time when he was traded from Cleveland. Hey, he's taking advantage of the opportunity. Good for him. You know, that wasn't his role on the previous Jazz teams. That's not what he was asked to do. And uh, I bet he took it as kind of a personal challenge, you know, to, to, what am I looking for here? Blossom sounds like such a soft word, but really to to blossom into a new role, a more important role. He's done great. He's he's really been terrific. He deserves a ton of credit. And he's going to be due up. Uh, he he is for the number that they got him for on the previous contract is huge cuz he is paid less than Duncan Robinson who isn't even in a rotation in Miami a team that we watched on ESPN earlier today. That guy's not playing. He's making more money than Jordan Clarkson. The value that you're getting from him right now and the fact that he – I can't tell you how hard and how difficult it is to close out games in the NBA. Walker Kessler is just going through this right now. He, he made a mistake. He had to come out of the game. It's a learning, teachable moment. But for Jordan Clarkson to go three, four, five-plus years – not closing out games where the first 43 minutes are played in an entirely different intensity than the last five minutes of an NBA game. And he fits, and he's working, and he's doing good things. It's a credit to him and how he's accepted this challenge of being able to create, to take on mismatches, and to score, to do what he's good at, which he has shown Throughout this year, he's very good at First year that he's averaging 20 points per game. want to remind you about the <clears throat> excuse me, the Utah Jazz uh, Most Valuable Educators, presented by Instructure, the makers of Canvas. Throughout the season, the Jazz and Instructure will recognize 14 MVEs. Each one will receive a visit from Jazz Bear, $1,000 grant, a personalized jersey, and tickets to see a Jazz game in a week. Go to utahjazz.com slash MVE to nominate your favorite educator right now. The Jazz fall tonight, 117-106 to 106 to the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, we'll have more player sound for you coming up next post game. 
Brought to you by our friends at Mark Miller Subaru and the My Subaru Ways campaign. Real stories from real Mark Miller Subaru customers. Subaru owners are diverse and each has a unique story to share. Read some and share your own. MySubaruIs.com. We'll have more straight ahead. You're listening to Utah Jazz Basketball. Now, let's get to the reaction. Hear from the coaches, the players, as well as the coach, Tim Lacombe. It's the Mark Miller Utah Jazz Postgame Show. Here's Jake Scott. Jazz postgame. Jake Scott, J.P. Chunga filling in for Coach Lacombe tonight. The Jazz fall to the Nets, 117-106. to Let me do the quick math here, J.P. Only uh, 36 fouls tonight, so that's a win for you. Huge. Last time I was uh, 50 fouls, the last game, and then obviously the first game that I did, 63 the most in an NBA game to that point. A little in, inside joke. When when JP's filled in this year, it's been the, the foul fests. <laughs> that first one was something else. It was ridiculous. <laughs> we was didn't get out else. of here until way late. No. The game ended at 9.30. It was, oh, it was later than that. It was like 9.45. It was maybe the, the longest game not in overtime that, that I've seen. I don't know. but It that was, was in regulation, too. Was, well, and it wasn't just the fouls, if you remember. Yeah, they everything. had double dribbles. They had tri- they had travels. They had a- <laughs> it was funny. It was like watching a summer league game. It was absurd. It was absurd. So tonight was good, though, JP. You're good, buddy. You're not the, the foul curse uh, because tonight uh, was not about fouls. Actually, the Jazz, if they made it a little bit more physical, might have benefited a little bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because uh, that would have helped out the rebound numbers, I'm yep. sure. And it would have given them more opportunities if uh, things went that way. Honestly, Kyrie Irving on a night that he had 48 points, I'm surprised he only went to the line six times. Yeah, Irving was four of six from the line. So he was 18 of 29 from the field, eight of 15, and only four of six from the foul line. He can make tough shots. He could. That's why he's such a good isolation player is the fact that he can make these very difficult, bad no, no, yes, shots that you have no idea what's going. That's why you have to be really sharp towards the end of the game. Does this change the way you view the Nets with the big question that we had in the pregame of their standing in the Eastern? No, not really. I mean, Kyrie's certainly capable of doing that at, at any time. And Kevin Durant's obviously awesome, but I don't think it changes my overall opinion on the team. I don't think the Jazz played their best tonight, to be honest. No, I, I don't think that they played in any way uh, up to the level that they had the previous night. Like and I don't, I don't think they can get away with playing that defense against Boston or Milwaukee. No, 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 no. And, I mean, we didn't bring it up, but Kyrie, the instability of Kyrie has to be mentioned when you think about this team, even if they're healthy. Is he going to keep the train on the tracks? Yeah. Is, is he going to keep it all together? Because we've also seen Kyrie as a lead dog and it hasn't worked out. Yep. Danny Ainge was a witness to it in Boston and it didn't work out. And him being cast as a second guy has worked out. That's his role. That's how he should play. And if Kevin Durant is here, if LeBron James is helping him along, he can win. But him as a lead dog, him as the, the number one guy, they very much needed this performance out of Kyrie tonight. If they get Anything less than this legendary performance, 40 points. He has 21 in the fourth quarter. He had 20 last night in Phoenix to close it out. He's on a run where he is finding it, and he is playing in that flow state that he can bring this at some point each night. And David said it. He thinks of himself as an artist, and this, this was an artistic performance. He did it. He He did a really impressive isolation job 
and he made the Jazz's life very difficult. This this Brooklyn experiment was interesting when it started with with Kyrie and Kevin Durant. It'll be interesting to see where it finishes when it does. I mean, it it seemed like it was over a couple of times already. Uh, but I, I think you're right on the money. I mean, with this, without Kevin Durant, Kyrie has to play this way for them to win. He has to. Has to. Because Ben Simmons, we saw it in this game, Ben Simmons. He passed out when the shot clock was going down to four seconds because he was attacking the rim and he just passed it out because he's afraid of shooting. He passed on a dunk tonight. He had a, like an open dunk and he passed it out. You have a player that fundamentally does not want to do one of the things that you have to do in basketball. Arguably the most important thing. He doesn't want to do it. His most famous thing that he has done in basketball is him passing out and not wanting to get fouled in a playoff series. Yep. Most famous thing that he's ever done. And he's continued to do it here. And if he's going to play like this, yeah, you need Kyrie to do this every single night for them to pick up wins. I'd argue maybe his his most famous basketball moment might be the practicing with the phone. Yeah. Remember that when he showed up to practice with the phone when he was trying to get his way out of uh In a regular season game, this is the most I hear you. in a competitive in a, game. The game play yeah. itself. He did uh, practice with the <laughs> you phone. You remember that? I do. <laughs> when he showed up to it was like he showed up to practice once and he had a phone and then he was sent home and I I think that Basically the end of the run there in Philly, and then they ended up trading him, what, halfway through last season? Pretty close. They sent him home, and uh, and then James Harden was traded there after the Nets got blitzed by the Jazz last season on their West Coast road trip. And the other thing about this Nets experience, it's already claimed two coaches. Kenny Atkinson, Steve Nash. They're on the third coach right now. Man, I like Kenny Atkinson, too. I always thought that that was a mistake. I love him. When they did that. They had such a good group before Kevin Durant and Kyrie. Yeah, they made the playoffs. Made the playoffs. They were fighting. They were tough. They were gritty. It's the same thing that happened in Los Angeles. Yeah, before the Clippers. Them, with yep. the Clippers. That was a tough group with Patrick Beverly, that, that crew. And then they go the star route. And we're seeing, is that the way to go? Is it the best situation to put your franchise in the hands of players that may or may not be available to you? I don't know. I, I, I view both of those teams the same way. I call the Brooklyn Nets Clippers East, and I call the Clippers the Clippers because it comes with the entire franchise of instability. Man, the Nets had to say goodbye to some good players, like moving on from Jared Allen. And he looks awesome. Awesome with Cleveland. Oh, he's so good with Cleveland. I like Cleveland. I'm with you. I, I would pick Cleveland ahead of Brooklyn right now Yeah. in the in the Eastern Conference. David James didn't agree with us in the pregame, but uh, I, I think so. They need... They probably need one more wing to deal with a Brooklyn. Like who's gonna who's gonna guard Durant? But who guards Durant in any anyway? anyway? I yeah. mean, he's going to uh, cook you either way. They probably need one more wing. But I love the balance. They've got Donovan. They've got Darius Garland. Evan Mobley, if he uh, plays to his level, even though he's having a little bit of a sl- sophomore slump, but they still have good balance and. Darius Garland can take possessions away from Donovan when he needs a break. And Donovan this year has been spectacular. Been great. He's been unre he's been an all-star starter this season. I don't think you could ever say when he was on the Jazz he should be an all-star starter. This season you could definitely say that and he de- deserves that 
when it comes to the Eastern Conference when they get announced next week. Oh, he's averaging 29 a game. I mean, there's no argument. He's He's been terrific. On great shooting, too. He's, well, he's a great player. We've I mean, I mean, we've known that for a while. Yeah. And, and the Jazz got a ton in return, and there's a reason they got a ton in return, because he's a great player. And, uh, yeah, he's absolutely – I totally agree with you. I think you're right on the money. An all-star starter – Worthy season, even the way, even though the way you get All Star starter is not exactly by merit. It isn't exactly uh, the way that you would think a meritocracy would operate. No. But um, they usually get it right. It's fifty percent, fifty percent fan. I mean, Andrew Wiggins is an aberration last uh-huh. season. That was bad. You remember all those years that Grant Hill wasn't even playing and still getting selected as a starter, or Yao Ming for that matter. Zaza Pachulia nearly got yeah. uh, voted in by. Was entire it, country. Isn't that the famous anecdote that Carl Malone went off for 60 or whatever it was after AC Green got named the starter on the uh, Western Conference? Do you remember that? I you, thought that was he wasn't – was he named a starter or was it – He was named the starter. Okay. Uh, but that is a bit of – I was going to say, there's no way Carl didn't make an all-star team. No, no, no. He yeah, made it. He made the, he, AC a got starter. this as, yeah. as elected. And that's a bit of an urban legend yeah. because Carl did that, had a big-time performance, but it was like two games – after the announcement, but oh. everybody loves the story that it was the next game and Carl went, uh, Carl went off. Don't but let facts get in the way of a good story. Never do. Never let facts get in the way of a good story. But yeah, they don't always get it right. But Donovan deserves it. Donovan if deserves he does it. get it, I, I don't think there's a whole lot of argument. He's having a great year. Like, Lowry is in argument for the for an All Star starter. Argument. I didn't. I don't think, <laughs> well, he's never going to get that. He's but not yeah. going to get that. But I'm encouraged that he's top seven. I mean, I don't think Donovan or Rudy would ever uh, generate that many votes between them. Uh, I think somebody actually looked that up on Twitter, and uh, Lowry already eclipsed what both of them got last year. But Lowry, like, he should be a shoe-in to be an all-star. I agree. His resume is good enough. Yeah, Yeah. his his resume is good enough. Even ever since all-star voting opened, he's averaging 29 points on 50% shooting, uh, 39% three, 85% uh, free throw shooting. Like you squint your eyes and you see a 50, 40, 90 guy, but um, he's he's playing to that level right now. And Lowry absolutely deserves to make the all-star team. All right. Uh, Jazz fall tonight to the Nets, 117 to 106. Post game is brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru and the My Subaru is campaign. Real stories from real Mark Miller Subaru customers. Subaru owners are diverse and each has a unique story to share. Read some and share your own. MySubaruIs.com. We'll wrap up the post game show coming up next. You are listening to Utah Jazz Basketball. Running up, blocked it. The final box score is printed. Jake Scott and the coach Tim Lacombe are breaking down how it all happened on the Mark Miller Utah Jazz postgame show. Oh my! Straight away, driving on the plaque from the seven foot center. He lost the basketball. Runs it back down in front of Gail Miller. Behind his back, three on the clock, one on one, driving, scooping, scoring. He's JC! He's tied it at 102. 30 for Jordan tonight. He's amazing. And David, uh, just seconds later, would say, check that. It's 29. Jordan finished the game uh, with 29 points. But that, of course, is Lock and Boone and your play of the game. Brought to you by Larry H. Miller Dealerships for service, sales, and selection. LHMauto.com. 
Com. You know what's funny about that? The the Miller family's been sitting in the same seats for so long. I think everybody listening knows exactly where David was talking about on the floor. Absolutely. <laughs> with the Gail Miller drop right there. So good good descriptive use right there by David. I think we all knew what he was talking about. 117 to 106 is uh, your final jazz fall tonight to the Nets. Post game brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru and the My Subaru Is campaign. Real stories from real Mark Miller Subaru customers. Share your Subaru story for a chance to win prizes. Learn more and share MarkMillerSubaru.com. If you're just joining us, the Jazz got 29 from Jordan Clarkson, as I just mentioned, 11 of 22 from the field. <clears throat> Two of seven from three, five of five at the line. He had five assists and four rebounds. Double-double tonight for Lowry Markinen. 22 points, 11 rebounds. He was eight of 16 from the field, six of 10 from three. 12 points from Malik Beasley. Nine points from Mike Conley. He also had nine assists. And Colin Sexton had 17 on seven of 12 shooting coming in off the bench. The Jazz as a team shot 42%, and they were 16 of 39 from three. Uh, for the Nets, what a game from Kyrie Irving. Truly one of those special players. 48 points, 11 rebounds, six assists. He was 18 of 29 shooting, eight of 15 from three to lead the way for the Nets. Nick Claxton had 20 points tonight on eight of nine shooting. Uh, let's see. Royce O'Neal in his return to Vivint Arena, 13 points on four of nine shooting, three of eight from three, six assists, five boards, and Seth Curry had 10 uh, coming in off the bench for the Nets. Uh, Royce, you know, has played pretty well for the Nets, JP. He played well tonight. I mean, he's doing a lot of things that uh, that he did here in Utah for the past five years, but his offense is a little bit better. When you're getting a lot of open shots, I'm sure it could be uh, much better because you have to pay so much attention to Kyrie. You see Kyrie and what the Jazz were trying to do down the stretch. You're sending doubles. You're you're sending triple teams. Right away, yeah. And then he moves the ball and he gets it and it sprays out to shooters and they get wide open shots. Seth Curry got that wide open shot to close it, to give game blouses for the Nets. You're getting a lot of wide-open shots. That's what I talked to with uh, Nick Ferdell on the podcast ahead of this game. He covers the Nets for ESPN. He said, and I asked him about Royce O'Neal because I, I, Jazz fans want to know, how's Royce O'Neal doing with Brooklyn? And he said, I don't know if this is quantifiable, if you could look this up, but he might be getting the most wide-open shots in the NBA this year because of how many wide-open threes that he gets and he shoots. And when they're wide open, they aren't those split decisions where Royce might pass out of them. Right. No, that's a good point. We saw that a lot when he was here. He's taking them because there's nobody in the same county. Exactly. If they're not in the same zip code, if they're not in the same area code, makes the decision much easier. Well, and he's making 40% of them, Yeah, which is a great number. And if you're wide open, you should be making a lot of them. You should be. Because he, yeah. is, he is a good shooter. He He's a good shooter. He's a professional, comes in. Works is a defensive player. He was asked to do so much of the perimeter defense on this team last season and in, in previous iterations of the Jazz. If you're the best player on the other team, Royce O'Neal was going to guard you. And he would have to do Luka one game, Giannis the next. He had so many. Oh, and then Jamal options. Murray. I mean, it guards, yeah. bigs, whatever. Which he deserves a tremendous amount of credit for, by the way. He does. He, he led the league, I think, at least two years in a row, and it might have been three in minutes spent guarding the other team's best player. He, and he rose to those challenges many times. 
that that stretch where he guarded Luca and Giannis and had two really good performances. I don't think I've ever seen better defense from him. I think this was twenty the the f- first place in the West year that season when he did that. I don't think I've seen him play better defense in his entire career. And he can rise to that level. And on this team, they need him to do dirty work. And he's going out there and doing this. And, you know, he can do it. He he comes in. He's a hard hat player and does it for his team. And with Jacques Vaughn getting this team motivated, coming out, they didn't rest anyone tonight. That's got to be a big boon to the to the people on the other end. Because this is, this is another thing that you have to realize in the NBA. Nobody wants to watch and, and – Take this from a, a a Chris Rock bit. Nobody wants to watch a mad tambourine player. Meaning, when you're watching a band, nobody wants to see a supporting cast guy with a with a frown on his face. And there are some tambourine players, and Royce O'Neal's one of those role players who needs to be a star in his role and be smiling when he's doing the dirty work. He needs to be a smiling tambourine player, and that's what he's doing on the Brooklyn Nets this year. Any final thoughts, JP, before we turn the page on this one? Way too much isolation basketball. In this game against the Nets, talked about over-dribbling in Coach Hardy's post-game press conference. That isn't how this team is designed to play. And as long as they use this as a growing moment, the way that Walker Kessler, I'm sure, will be using it as a growing moment where he had a, a flub on a defensive mistake with Kyrie Irving, they use it as that going forward, making sure that they play in the flow of the offense, executing, not over-dribbling, not playing into isolation when they're playing against switch-happy teams, they're going to do well. And Charlotte, coming up on Monday, is a team that you're more talented than and should be one where Lowry Markinen, Jordan Clarkson, and the offensive guys go off. All right, we want to say a big thanks to everybody to help with the broadcast tonight. Of course, David Locke and Ron Boone, terrific work from them as usual. Thanks to our broadcast assistants that helped out tonight. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.